This morning, I, I just want to talk to you about what I believe the, the real Christmas story is. I, I think sometimes, if, like, what if we were to take the whole story of Jesus coming, okay, Christmas, Christ come, like the coming of Jesus. If we were to take the whole Christmas story, what is Christmas about? What is, you know, these holy days about? The advent of all the weeks leading up to the birth of Jesus. What is uh, this whole thing about? If I were to look at the whole story of, of creation and of, of God coming and, and reconciling the world to himself, and, um, you know, what would the, let me ask you a question, what kind of movie would it be? Like, what are some of your favorite movies? Who ever goes to the movie to watch just a drama? Like, the movie theater and the whole thing is a drama. Anybody do that? No, one person right up here in the front. God bless you. I will go with you and drink lots of coffee. How many love to go to the movie theater to watch some action bullets and all that kind of stuff, right? Like warm saving, private ride. Like sometimes we think that the Christmas story is like a rescue mission, right? Mission Impossible, saving private ride, saving humanity. And we have all these ideas. Now, I believe that's part of it. What other, you know, if you think about the Christmas story, what's the master story, the master plan? What is the big picture of Jesus coming? Did he come to just save us from our sin? Did he come, and why did he come to save us from our sin? Have you ever thought about this? Like, I think sometimes we, we, we see the parentheses inside of the whole paragraph, and we think that's the whole thing. But if we step back and we look at the whole picture, there's more to it. And when we understand the depth of it and the robustness of, of what God's idea is of redeeming humanity back to himself, it will change the way we look at the gospel. Now, the, you know, the thing is, is the Christmas story, it's not just a rescue mission, although that, that's kind of a part of it. Um, it's, it's kind of, I think, honestly, it's more of, it could be like an action, but I think it's more than anything a love story. Now, ladies, I need your help. I need your help. Let me, I'm going to try to communicate this. Uh, what's your favorite chick flick? Go ahead, shout it out. Brian Prejudice. There's a, a lady on the front row that said none. I'm shocked. That's crazy. That must be a really good movie. None. I'll have to go check that one. Is it about a nun? It's about a single woman that finally isn't a nun anymore and she falls in love with a priest that's orthodox and she's allowed to marry. Sounds like a good cool movie. What's your favorite chick flick? What are you here from? Pride and Prejudice. Come on, somebody. I knew you were going to say that. First service, I actually had two illustrations ready, and they named both movies that I wanted to use. How many of you ever seen Pride and Prejudice? Okay, if you haven't, spoiler alert. It's a pretty good movie, although, you know, I've seen it, and actually I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I, I like, listen, as a husband, I watch chick flicks with my wife. She's nicer to me afterwards. She loves me for like 40 hours straight. And now I gotta watch another chick flick with her. Or buy her a flower or get her something or something like that. Praise God. Happy wife, happy life. Someone said that to me the other day. I'm like, thanks. Thanks a lot, bro. Yeah. Happy husband, cousin. Pride and Prejudice was a pretty good movie, right? I mean, where's Laris? Laris was there. We got coerced. We got coerced into watching it one time, and there's there's like we were forced to sit there the whole. Actually, we kind of wanted to watch it, but we're sitting there. All I remember about this movie is looking over at Rochelle and Brooke and Sadie's face and whoever else was there, 
and they all have the same look on their face as this prince charming dude rolls up on a horse and there's some really cool romantic scene, right? Oh, Pride and Prejudice. And they all had this cheesy grin and it was kind of, it kind of looked like this. <laughs> kind of. That's all I remember about the movie. I just, okay, another chick flick. If the gospel Christmas story is a love story, name a chick flick. What? Never heard that one. Bridesmaids. Not appropriate for church. Could it be maybe just maybe be Satan? Okay, let's get another one. Notebook. Who said the notebook? That's someone I wanted you to say, actually. Part of the message. I love the notebook. Spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, it's old. You should have already seen it. Shame on you. I love the notebook because I honestly, check this, I think it's a picture of what the big story is of actual Christmas. Okay, so the incarnation is about God becoming man. Well, why? Did he come to rescue us? That's part of it. But why did he come? He came because it was always his intent to join himself with humanity. It wasn't a second backup plan. It was always his plan. As a matter of fact, most of evangelicalism only believes it as a rescue mission. But from the very beginning of church history, it's been predominantly held, especially in the Orthodox Church, that it was always God's intent, because of His great love, to join us in the triune circle of fellowship. When I say that, I'm talking about the fellowship, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit that have been having before all eternity, before the foundation of the world. God intended on creating someone to choose to love Him and, and to have a bride for His Son. I love the notebook, and I think it's a better picture, although there could be some more action in it and all that, you know. I mean, it was, it was a good movie, though. But there's a scene in the movie, spoiler alert, look at the person next to you say, spoiler alert. There's a scene in the movie where the husband, over and over and over and over, leads up to the scene, loving his wife, who has a disease that made her forget who she was. And made her forget the love that she shared with her husband. And he reminds her and just keeps loving her and wooing her and telling her stories. And, and all of a sudden she awakens and remembers the love they had and remembers who she was. That is the gospel story. See, God just keeps loving us and wooing us over and over and over and, and we get it every once in a while, get a glimpse of his eyes of love looking at us, and it just sets us free that he chooses us, that he would choose us. That's what the Christmas story is about. Let me just read a few verses to you, and then I'm going to dismiss you this 11 a.m. before Christmas. Amen. Are you ready? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predetermined or predestined us for adoption and sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with the, his pleasure of his will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Let's stop right there. Let me just clarify that if we're reading this through a Greek philosophical or reform lens, we're going to see predestination as some fatalistic thing that you're predetermined 
uh, individually before the foundation of the world to become a Christian uh, and stuff like that. How many have ever heard that taught? That's not what Paul's writing. That's not the way they understood this in this time uh, as the readers writing to the church of Ephesians. The way that I could describe it is I predetermined to preach this message to you. And because you chose to come to church today because you're a real Christian, I mean, uh, you came to church, you're hearing the message. You see, God predetermined in his heart for all of his creation to be included in the circle of the triune shared life. But everyone might not choose that. But God's still going to love and woo and pour out his love. That's what Paul is talking about. But I love this. He, he predetermined this. This was in his heart before the creation of the world. It was always God's intent to come and become incarnate, to join himself with us. And sin was a part of the equation. There was a disease. There was a rescue mission. But that's not the whole thing. Hello? The first, listen, one of the reasons I'm saying this is because a lot of times we get distracted. And we think the only reason Jesus came is to save us from sin because sin's bad. That's part of it. But the primary reason he, he came is to bring us into right relationship with him. The reason it's important to understand this is we're going to be so sin-focused that we're going to drive the sinner right out the door of us preaching our message. Come on. It's not good news. It's sin management stuff. And people will stay in legalism. They'll stay bound. Listen, if we keep preaching legalism, we will never learn our freedom in Christ. You can't make powerful choices if you're forced to make choices. Yes. When you learn you're free, you make powerful choices. You rise up and you own who you are yes. as a son, as a daughter. You're made in God, God's image and you're free. The gospel liberates humanity, doesn't shove it into religion. This is what, it's a love story. God didn't force his bride, but over time he gave him free will. Love is not love without a choice. I didn't force my wife to love me, although I tried and it didn't work. I moved her, I loved her, I gave her the look. I bought her things, I opened the car door for her, and I'm sorry, I don't do that much anymore. I need to do that again. First, second dates, come on guys, you know you did it every time. Like, oh, let me get that for you, sweetie. <laughs> I'm Ken, and you're Barbie. Yeah. You, you remember how it was. Why don't you do that anymore? I'm talking to myself too. Forgive me, God. We don't force our bride to love us, husbands. Neither did Jesus coerce his bride, but it's been thousands of years. He's patient and loving, waiting and wanting to be one. And, and through the incarnation, this is, are you guys getting this this morning? This, yeah. is, the, this is the real Christmas story. Jesus' coming wasn't just a rescue mission because of sin. It was always in God's heart. Because he couldn't leave us. He, he wanted us to be one with him. It was always in God's heart. Why he created us. He said, I'm going to create someone to share this love with. I'm going to make them in my image. They're going to partake of my nature through these promises. The Bible says in 2 Peter 1, through these promises, we become partakers of the divine nature. We don't become God, we become like God. And we get to share in the triune love. It's beautiful. I think it exemplifies that, yes, there is a rescue part. Yes, there's a mission impossible. There's saving you know, humanity, there's all of that, but before all of that, and the reason for that is because Jesus wanted to, God wanted to become the event of God becoming man was all about him joining himself to us. Why is that important? Because he's not far. He's nearer than the air you breathe. He's filling all things. He's in every cell and molecule of your body. Are you hearing me? Jesus holds everything together. 
Yet we still have these orphan ideas that, oh, I wish God would come. Or the presence of God's in that church, but it's not in that church. No, it's the manifest presence. It's the awareness of His presence. See, when I minister from a place of knowing how much God resides in me, to the reality that I understand I'm like Jesus, is to the reality that I walk in the Spirit without measure. Oh, you're not hearing me this morning. We want more. Well, yeah, that's true. But if you realize you're like, the reason you don't have more is because you don't realize you're like Jesus. When you realize you partake of his nature and you know that you're a son and you're a daughter, there's not a struggle. And then we can preach the good news that we've been reconciled, that we've been forgiven. Not a seven-step process into forgiveness and reconciliation. Well, we have to reconcile humanity. No, that happened 2,000 years ago. We have to preach the good news that God's done it for you. It's finished and he loves you and it's time to come into relationship with him. And when we see humanity that way, it changes our outlook on life. It changes our value system. We actually love ourselves and we actually love people and we're actually free people. And we're not people without character. We have character, the character of Christ within us. And it's not formed from legalism or do's and don'ts or religious crap, but it's formed from the freedom that we see in the incarnation that Jesus came, God came in the likeness of men because he wanted to be joined with us. He wanted God among us, God with us forever. Can I hear you just say amen? Amen. The Christmas story is a love story. The Christmas story is a story about how... Yes, to an extent, we're left in the cold. There's sin in the world. There's a pollution. But that wasn't the primary reason Jesus came. It was always his intent. And he comes and leaves us. And he wants us to know, God wants us to know how close he is. Not what we need to do to get him closer or draw near to him. Are you hearing me this morning? There's a, uh, an encounter my wife had with the Lord where... For some reason, she felt like the Holy Spirit was far. I remember even prior to this encounter, we were talking one time and we're driving home from a prayer meeting. And she's like, I just, sometimes I just don't feel God's presence. I'm like, Michelle, you're not Martha, you're Mary. I said, honey, get out of the kitchen. You're with him. You, you, you understand what I'm saying? Like the story of Martha and Mary. How many understand what I'm saying? Just pour oil out of his feet. Just love him. You're already accepted. You don't have to work. You don't have to strive. You don't have to be distracted with all that stuff. And later on, uh, you know, my wife was having this encounter with the Lord. I did ask you permission to make sure. On the couch tonight, praise God. Why did you share that? No, she wouldn't do that. But God, God breathed in a moment in my wife's life where she felt, for some reason, because of lies, she felt the Holy Spirit was far. And she saw this picture. It was a picture of the Holy Spirit and I stood And I, I remember you telling me that one time I'm sitting in a coffee shop trying to get my study on. And God started bragging about my wife to me. He's like, she's so awesome. He said, that's my bride too. I, I love her. I mean, it just rocked me to the car. I was sitting there at, you know, at some coffee shop just crying. And I started texting her. And then I heard this song, and I'm going to play it for you in a minute. It was about God dancing with us. As a matter of fact, let me just read you a few of the lyrics before I play it. Because I believe the Spirit of God is going to pull you close to His heart. I believe the Lord is going to just give you a revelation of how close He actually is to you. Even in the midst of brokenness, in the midst of pain, in the midst of stuff, Jesus came right in the appropriate time to join Himself with our weaknesses. He became fully human because He was touched by the feeling of our infirmities. 
And the Holy Spirit in this vision my wife has, he's, he's, uh, he's figure skating with my wife. And I'm sure there was a lot of meaning uh, to, to why, you know, that, that there's probably multiple meanings of a person. But I think it's a picture of how, how he pulls us out of the cold and he pulls us into his heart. In the midst of the cold, come on somebody, he, he dances with us, he loses, he loves us, he loves his bride. And he's patiently, before the foundation of the world, been loving and wooing and trying to just get our hearts to turn to him, not coercively, but just by keep loving, just by us understanding that his gaze is still on us and he's still focused on us with eyes of love, not eyes of anger, but eyes of love and mercy and grace. Let me read the lyrics to the song. I'm sitting in, in this coffee shop and I'm trying to get something from God. And then the Holy Spirit starts telling me how awesome my wife is. I'm like, okay, that's cool, Lord, but can you tell me how awesome I am? <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, you know, when something flows through you, it's actually done to you. We have to remember that's what ministry is all about. Sometimes in your most broken time, that's when you need to pray for someone else so you can be healed. I'm sitting there, and I'm like, the Holy Spirit's like, she's, she's my wife, too. I love her. I remember that, that encounter. I'm listening to the song. I was like, wow. Listen to the lyrics. And we're going to play it in just a moment. You steady me. Slow and sweet we sway. Take the lead and I will follow. Finally ready now to close my eyes and just believe. That you won't leave me when you don't go. That's profound. Mm-hmm. That's profound. It's not a part of the lyrics. <laughs> Three course. When faith get when my faith gets tired... And my hope seems lost. You spin me around and around. You remind me of that song. The one you wrote for me. There's these moments I've had with God where I can literally hear the Father's voice just washing over my heart. I mean, there's probably some sons in here that never had a dad say, I'm proud of you. That there's a song that the father sings over his son and he says, I love you and I'm proud of you. So the Holy Spirit, what does the same thing he dances with this? It says, you remind me of that song, the one you wrote for me. And we dance, and we dance. And I've been told to pick up my sword and fight for love. Little did I know that love had won for me. Here in your arms, you still my heart again. I breathe you in like I've never breathed till now. I will lock eyes with the one who answered me, the one who gave me joy for morning. I will lock eyes with the one who's chosen me. Can you say amen? Amen. The one who set my feet to dancing. Would you close your eyes? I want to just play the song and just let them. God, just breathe life into you. Just would you would you allow him to just pull you and, and, and just pull you close to his heart and just just dance with him. You can stand if you want, you can come to the altar, be free, we'll pray for you. Let's just close with this moment of revelation of what the real story is about. It's a love story. Is that